Well, good morning. You're probably thinking, wait a minute, isn't this usually the time when Pastor Mark is speaking to us? You are correct. Pastor Mark is on holidays. I am Thena Ritter, and I am the Children's Ministry Director and also the Adult Ministry Coordinator at West Meadows. And last week, Pastor Mark started off with a series on the power of prayer, and this week, I'm going to continue on that series, speaking about the power of a pathway in prayer. So, I remember when I was in junior high, I lived in the Mojave Desert in California, and my best friend Bonnie and I decided that we were going to go on an adventure together. We decided we were going to participate in a walkathon. And you might be thinking, walkathon, that doesn't sound very adventurous to me. But this was the March of Dimes walkathon. And this walkathon was pretty intense. It was an all day walkathon. And what made it exceptionally adventurous for us was the fact that it was in a city that we were not from. So we arrived at this city, we arrived to sign in for the walkathon, and we were immediately given a little card, and the card had 10 boxes. And these boxes denoted all the checkpoints that we were supposed to find along our way in order to complete the route of the walkathon. At each of the checkpoints, we were supposed to get initials to indicate that we truly had been there and then move forward to the next checkpoint until we completed all 10. I was a little concerned about this. Um, I don't really have a great sense of direction, and this wasn't a city that we were from. But as we began our journey, I was so happy to recognize that there were signposts that directed us so that we would be able to find these checkpoints. And the signpost made sure that by the time we were done our pathway, we had done it in an effective and an appropriate manner. So just as it is important for there to be signposts to guide us along a walkathon, it's also very important that we are guided along a path of prayer that we hit the right signposts so that we get to the right checkpoints so that we can also have an effective and appropriate prayer. In Luke 11 verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I'm fairly certain that each of these disciples had prayed at least one time before in some way, shape, or form, and yet they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. They knew that the way that Jesus communicated with God was something special, and they had noticed that when Jesus prayed, results were obtained. Now, if you are early on in your faith journey with God, it can be confusing and sometimes you might be stumbling along with words. You're not exactly sure how to do it. How do I communicate to God? 
I had a friend who actually started his faith journey as an adult, and he said to me the first 19 years of his life, the only prayer that he had uttered was the now I lay me down to sleep prayer. It was the prayer that his mother had taught him as a child, and that's the prayer that got him through everything. For those of you who might be coaching somebody who asks you, well, how do I do this? How do I pray? You just do it. I don't know what to say. It might be easy for you to say, well, you know, it's easy. You just talk to God. You just tell him how you feel. And sure, yeah, that is prayer, certainly. But when Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us, what should we do? What should we say? How do we do this? Jesus didn't respond that way. Jesus actually responded by giving them an example, by showing them a pathway with signposts, and by making that path a very intentional one. As a parent, I like to be intentional when I teach things to my children. And so when my son, Keanu, was in preschool, I wanted to make sure that I was teaching him intentionally how to pray. And so he and I created this little prayer album. And in the prayer album, it is a tool, a tool that can guide him as he was wondering what to pray about. It's a tool that helped him pray about things like good health, for people of the world, for his friends. Incidentally, if you're seeing a picture right now, there is a picture of Keanu with two little buddies sitting on these lawn chairs outdoors with popsicles, and those two little buddies are actually the offspring of the infamous Bonnie who went on this walkathon with me. As he kept going through this prayer album, he would pray about fun and games, he would pray about family time, he would pray about how he valued Jesus' love. And the reasons why was the album was divided into categories, and the categories served as checkpoints. And the little pictures and the little words and the photographs were the signposts that could then steer him along the pathway in prayer. The album did not have a rigid word-for-word formula. The album gave space for a child to just use common language to speak from his own heart, to use his own words. But at the same time, it was arranged in such a pattern that would promote some direction for intentional prayer. My sister, when she was a child, she had one of those word-for-word formula prayers. I can recite it off by heart. I've heard it many times. Dear Jesus, thank you for this food, thank you for this thing, amen. This was her go-to prayer every time and any time she was praying. It didn't matter if there was food around or not. My brother and I were kind of the bullying siblings who liked to harass her, and we'd always poke fun at her and say, what's this thing, what's this thing that you're praying for? when really it was just kind of an abbreviation where she's trying to say, thank you for everything. She was just throwing it all into a simple this thing. 
When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, Jesus' intention was not to give them a word-for-word formula, not intended to give them this incantation that would be kind of like, I don't know, a magic spell or something, but it was supposed to be a guide for how we should pray. Matthew 6, 9 to 13 is Jesus' response to the disciples on how to pray. This is what it says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Does this sound familiar to you? Yeah. Lots of people will call it the Lord's Prayer. Some people title it the Our Father. I know when I was in elementary school, it was part of the school assembly. We would all truck on down to the gymnasium and sit in our rows according to our classes, and the assembly would start with standing and singing O Canada, and from there, we would recite the Lord's Prayer, and from there, the principal would give us some announcements, and from there, well, whatever, the program would continue. Now, a lot of people will claim these words that I just read, Jesus' prayer example. A lot of them will claim them word for word as they utter a prayer to God. And this is not wrong, so long as these words actually have meaning when you are speaking them. When we were saying them in our school assembly, it was just, okay, yeah, this is just part of the program. This is the next step. This is what we do now before we hear from the principal. No, these words need to have meaning. They cannot be meaningless. They can't just be a rote ritual. The prayer when Jesus presented it to his disciples was meant to be personalized so that it would be this heartfelt expression of your growing relationship with God. So I took a short little break from vocational ministry, and while I did that, I decided I was going to teach some math. I had the opportunity to teach math. And when you teach math, you're teaching a concept. And you teach this concept, and then you give illustrations. You give examples. You work through a few math problems with the students so that they can understand the concept and apply the concept. And then the next step is you give them homework. And then they take the concept that you taught them and they look at the examples that you showed them, and then they apply that in order to complete their homework. Their homework is the same but different. Their homework is the same concept with different numbers. When I was in high school, they applied that same teaching technique for my chemistry classes. When I was in university, they applied that same teaching technique for my astrophysics classes. If you are a music teacher, you apply the same technique for your music students. You introduce them to scales. And the reason why you go through scales 
isn't so that one day your student can sit at a piano in a concert and just play scales beautifully. No. The reason for these scales is that they can be signposts, checkpoints, opportunities to expose the student to a world of music. In the same way, the Lord's Prayer opens you up to a world of prayer. And that's why Jesus says, well, pray like this with these signposts. Now, if Bonnie and I, when we were going on our walkathon, decided to start the journey and ignore the signposts, neglect the signposts, reject the signposts, it would have been problematic. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, if you choose to neglect and reject these signposts that I'm offering to you, there could be problems. Your prayers might not be the effective, appropriate prayers that you are hoping them to be. So what are those signposts? I'm sure you want to know. Well, the first signpost on the path of prayer is the signpost of worship. And that's from verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We honor your name. This reminds us of his holiness. And what I encourage you to do is I encourage you to build a vocabulary of exaltation. Think of all the things that are wonderful about God. What do you magnify about him? Why should he be glorified? Think of all of the attributes of his holiness, what you appreciate, his love, his faithfulness, his grace, his integrity, and begin your prayer with focus on that. And in this verse, it talks about in heaven, in heaven. This is a place where God's throne is. This is where the king sits. This is who is to be revered, who is to be looked up to. Recently in our Pastor 411 series, we learned about heaven, and maybe some of what you learned about heaven made you think it's kind of far away. It's kind of unapproachable. And yet we hear these words, Father. Who is in heaven? It's our Father. Yes, indeed, he is our creator, but he's also our Father. And just as heaven might be far away and unapproachable, a father is approachable. A father is close. This is an incomprehensible dichotomy that's so important to point out in your prayers is, God, you are so great beyond my understanding, and yet you're so loving in my own father with whom I have an intimate relationship with. And what's that little word just before father? It's our. It's not my father. It's our father. And so again, right away, you are establishing that we are a part of a faithful fellowship, a community of sisters and brothers, faithful followers who love God. We're at this together. We are brothers and sisters who are joint heirs, and we share the same father. 
And saying our reminds us this prayer is not about me. This prayer is going to be Christ-centered. This prayer is where God will be glorified. In our day and age, there is so much self-glorification going on. But that's not what this is about. The aim of this prayer is to be in awe with God. That's the first signpost, worship. Do not neglect, do not reject the component of worship from your prayers in order for them to be effective, in order for you to stay on the right path. The second slide of, sorry, the second signpost is kingdom-centered. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're hearing your name, your kingdom, your will. This really readjusts the priorities of our prayer when it's focused on the kingdom. When we want our prayers to align with God's kingdom and not our kingdom. When we are asking first for the fulfillment of God's will, leaving our will aside. This is the prayer part where we are just begging that God's kingdom would be revealed when we just want people to no longer be ignorant, where we want the kingdom to be known, Christ's reign both now and in the future when he comes again to be all about his victory over sin and victory over the devil. That's what this establishes. It's praying in faith and praying in hope for those promises that we learn about in his word. And it's not saying, God bless my will. But this is when now his will and our will aligns. So here I challenge you to think about the prayers that you've made in the last 30 days and consider those prayers and how they have been advancing the kingdom. If you took a checklist of all of your prayers and Jesus is looking at them and check, 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 once all is said and done, if all of these prayers were check, yep, 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 what would change? Would a lot change in the world or would just a lot change in your world? Make your prayers kingdom-centered. The third signpost we're moving on through the Lord's Prayer is verse 11 and 12 that says, Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is the signpost of dependence. I need you, God. There is nothing I can do apart from you. I will not take for granted all of the wonderful things that you have lavished upon me. And once again, the words are important. It's not, give me my daily bread. It's give us our daily bread. This is the one another prayer. This is the prayer for community. This is the prayer for equality. This is the prayer that the rich won't hoard. This is the prayer that the poor will have everything they need to survive. And this dependence prayer reminds us who are we dependent on? We are dependent on Christ. We're not dependent on the things that Christ has given us, but on Christ alone. 
and we are reminded that we need him for everything, most importantly, the forgiveness of our sins. Here is where we are actually acknowledging that we are sinners. Here is where we admit it and we are no longer in denial. Now, just as we acknowledge that we get grace from God and because he gives us grace, we should be returning grace to others. He forgives us, therefore we really need to forgive others. And that's this signpost. That's this crucial and important part of an effective, powerful prayer. And the final signpost that you come to in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the signpost of protection. This part of the prayer isn't saying, hey God, okay, so I know if I don't include this little statement here, you are going to steer me right towards a big old bowl of temptation. No. This is the part where you're saying, God, you are wise, and God, you can protect me because I'm the one who puts myself in all sorts of situations that cause me to compromise my relationship with you. This is the part where you're recognizing that you're frail, that you're weak, that you're vulnerable. This is the part when you're asking God to just make you alert, keep you watchful, ensure that you will not stumble. My daughter, Matika, has two ducklings. Their names are Kevin and Phyllis, and Kevin and Phyllis have been with us for about a month. And so although they spend the majority of their time indoors, they're not quite ready for the great outdoors on their own, we've had some nice days, and so we'll take them outside. And when they go outside, they are exposed to noises they are not used to hearing. A plane flies by, or there's an animal, maybe a dog on a chain at a neighbor yard, or people are walking behind our home on the path. And they're very alert. Their eyes go wide. And they're watchful. But at the same time, they recognize they cannot protect themselves. And so if they're not right next to us, which often they are, they come cowering and they huddle at our feet and they look to us for protection. In the same way, we need protection, we need safety, we need deliverance from the evil one. Our battle is not with the temptation itself. Our battle is not with each other. Our war is with the evil one. So he, these are the four signposts that we need to consider. And for you, you might be thinking, I don't know, how am I going to remember all those signposts? Sir, I could read the Lord's Prayer every time and then try to remember, but just like we use the prayer album for our son. Sometimes you need a model. Sometimes you need something that can help you pray effectively and appropriately. So 
in order to make sure that your prayers aren't turned into this kind of Christmas wish list where you sit on God's lap and just ask him for a bunch of stuff, I want to introduce to you this first model actually is a very popular model that a lot of people use because if you can't remember the signpost, maybe you can remember an acronym based on a word. So the word is ACTS and A-C-T-S, the acronym stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. When you use the ACTS model, it starts off with adoration. And I'd like to read Psalm 86, 12 and 13. This is a prayer of David, and David was a well-renowned worship leader, I suppose you could say, and he praised and honored and adored God. And in Psalm 86, 12 and 13, it says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. When you adore God in your prayers, you are looking upward and not inward. This is the time when you just tell him how much you love him, when you tell him everything you are grateful for, where he's concerned, and what makes him so magnificent. And there is such power when in your prayers you prioritize putting God first by starting your prayer off with an adoration of who he is is. And then following adoration is the C, it's confession. So a little earlier in the book of Psalms, Psalm 32 verse 5, it says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Confession is when you're admitting to God that you've done wrong that you want to change, that you want restoration of a relationship that you really appreciate with him. This is not the time when you're justifying things that you've done or rationalizing them or blaming somebody else, making excuses for things. This is the time when you are not condemning yourself, but you are agreeing with God that there is sin and that sin is serious, and that sin separates you. All you need to do here is just say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Consider how important it is for you to clean your body. Perhaps it's brushing your teeth, it's washing your face, it's taking a shower or a bath. I would venture to guess that the majority of us do at least one of those things every day. We're always so concerned about keeping a clean body. Should we not be equally, if not more, concerned about keeping a clean soul? How do we do that? How's that achieved? Well, it's achieved by washing over us the word of God and by confessing our sins. So I've been doing a little experiment this week. As I've been preparing for this message, I have been taking every time that I clean my body, so brushing my teeth, washing my face, so on and so forth, and every time I do that, I have stopped and I have taken the time to confess. 
not to justify, not to rationalize, but just to say, God, there's guck in my life, and sin is serious, and I repent of that sin. And sometimes I'm fully aware of the sin in my life, and sometimes I actually don't really know, but sin is sin the same. And I need to confess that to God. So then thanksgiving, the T, that 2 Corinthians 9.15 is this simple but special verse that says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The things that God lavishes us with are insurmountable, indescribable. And we need to thank him for everything that he's done for us. And when you come to things with a heart of thankfulness, it's like the complaining is just checked at the door. We had a previous sermon series on Daniel, and Daniel, for him, prayer, especially the prayer of thanksgiving, was an essential element. And if you remember the series, if you didn't get a chance to Listen to it. You can certainly look back on our website or read the book of Daniel. You will see that there were many things that Daniel experienced that maybe you or I would not be all that thankful about. But yet, Daniel continued to have this attitude of gratitude every time he prayed. And then supplication. I love this verse. It's from Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Supplication, that's not really a word that I use every day. It's probably not in your everyday conversations. So what exactly is that? Well, supplication is a petition to God. It's a request to God. Sometimes I think it's simpler to think of the word supply. And maybe you're just asking God to supply something. Supplication is when you spread out all your problems before the Lord and you just ask him to sort them out. Supplication is when you take your worry list and you turn it into a prayer list. So that's the model of Acts. Now, the next model I want to share with you is the model of pray. And I am actually kind of privy to this one. I like this one because sometimes if I'm remembering, okay, how should I pray? Like, Acts isn't the first word that comes to my mind, but how should I pray? Pray is the first word that comes to my mind. So the P, just like A in Acts is for adoration, P is praise. This is that first signpost, worship, honor. And then the R is the same as the C, confession, only it's repent. And then the A is like supplication, only a word that we probably do use every day, and that's ask. And then my favorite part about this acronym is the Y, yield. This is such an important part when you're praying because yield is when you slow down. Yield is when you listen. Yield is when you acknowledge that you need to have a two-way conversation with God, that it's not just your order through a drive-through window, 
but it's a communication, it's a conversation, and yield reminds us to pause and to hear the sweet things that God has to say to us. So the title of today's message, The Power of a Pathway in Prayer. You say, okay, you explained Jesus' prayer. You gave us a few models of how we can then take Jesus' prayer and apply it. Some signposts, those were helpful, thank you. But how can I be sure that if I pray this way, there would be power, there would be effectiveness, there would be an appropriate conversation with God? Well, I'm going to give you just an example from my own life. I led a group called C4, and your first thought might be, oh, okay, you're into explosives. Well, it wasn't a group that built bombs. Our group actually, C4, the C stood for Compassion Care Cooking Club. And Compassion Care Cooking Club was a club where a bunch of us got together And we decided to learn culinary techniques and skills so that we could be compassionate and caring towards people with our cooking and our baking. And we did some really cool things. We learned how to bake pies. And when I say we learned how to bake pies, like I mean we learned how to bake pies. It went from, first and foremost, we went to an apple orchard to pick apples to learning how to prepare the apple pieces, to learning how to make a crust from scratch, to baking these pies, and then to offering them to people who we thought might be touched by them, people who needed encouragement, people that could enjoy some compassion and some care at that point. We would also do things like go to the fire hall, and we'd make supper for the firefighters, and then we'd eat with them, and we'd pray with them, And then we'd play with them, and we had a lot of fun. So now, as I was thinking, okay, what else? Oh, you hear about these soup kitchens. Maybe we should learn how to make soup from scratch. And so we decided one evening that was what we were going to do. And I wanted to make it fun, and by fun, for me, sometimes that means competitive. So what we decided to do was we broke our group up into four little groups. And each group had a huge stockpot, like the kind you have in restaurants. And the expectation was that each group was going to make a different kind of soup. And at the end of the night, maybe we'd sample one another's soup and we'd kind of say whose was the best. And now we've learned how to make soup, so maybe someday we can use this skill to bless people. So we always started our C4 meetings off with prayer. And I went through the signposts. We started off with, God, you are good. We worshipped him. We glorify you. You are great. And then kingdom-centered, we're here because we want to make a difference for your kingdom. We want to see your kingdom advanced. And then dependence, we alone don't necessarily know how we can do that. We're not really sure. We came together to learn how to make soup and We don't know how this soup-making ability is then going to do exactly what you want to be done, but we depend on you and we give it to you. And then protection. Well, (laughs) remember how it was called C4? 
So a lot of people who signed up for C4, I think, actually did think that they were coming to learn how to build bombs. They were not. So we had a lot of kind of rambunctious senior high boys that participated in our cooking club. And so we always prayed for protection because we were using big, sharp knives to cut the vegetables for the soup. And of course, heating elements were involved and all of that sort of stuff. So we'd pray for protection. And then we began making our soup. And it was the end of the evening, and we had these four big stockpots of soup. And we thought, even if each of us has four bowls so that we sample each kind, we're going to have a significant amount of soup left. What are we going to do with this? Just as soon as we were wondering it and questioning it, a stranger walked into the church this is the end of the evening, so it's 9 o'clock at night, and this stranger comes in looking frantic, saying, do you have any food, soup, perhaps? Oh, <laughs> it's interesting that somebody should come to the church and ask specifically for soup, when in fact we do have soup, we have a lot of it. And I said, well, yeah, we do have, have some f food, why do you ask? And this person starts telling me the most harrowing story. A little girl had gone missing. It was one of the coldest nights that winter. The mom and dad had asked for people to come and help them find their daughter. A search and rescue team, just a makeshift one, was established. Several people came along to look for this little girl didn't have a coat on, didn't have shoes on. She was out in a terrible, terrible cold winter storm. And the person said to me, they're exhausted, they're hungry, and they're cold. And I've been the one who's been asked to go and find them food. It's 9 o'clock at night. I drove past your church. There were lots of lights on and lots of vehicles. I thought this could be my first stop. Do you have any food? We do. We have four huge stock pots of soup. Here you go. And then to conclude our club time, we always prayed. And this time we prayed using the axe model. Oh, the power in that prayer as we were adoring God, saying, you are omniscient, you are omnipresent. When we did not know, you were all-knowing. Oh, God, you are all-powerful. And then confession. We had such little minds. We came to make soup. We confessed. We weren't really sure if it was for any purpose or what would be done with it. We confessed that we honestly thought we were just going to be dumping it down the drain tonight. Thanksgiving? God, the whole intention of this group is to come together to use our cooking skills to provide compassion and care for the community, and we were able to make that happen tonight because of you, God. And then supplication? <laughs> our wish list was out the window. All we were praying about was for this little girl who needed rescue. 
for this mom and dad who did not know where their daughter was, for this team of people that had came together to search for this girl that were hungry and tired and cold. There is power when we follow a pathway in prayer. And I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to not neglect or reject the signposts. I want to encourage you to not let Satan discourage you because you're probably thinking, that is not how I pray, (laughs) at least not usually. But I want to encourage you to say, today is a new day. Today you can get on the path. Today you can follow the signposts. And when you follow the signposts, there is a greater prayer to be prayed. Let's close in prayer. Lord, omniscient one, great God, the one who we exalt on high, the one who sits on the throne in heaven but yet holds us as our Father God. Lord, we thank you that through you we can be a part of advancing your kingdom and we want nothing more than to see your kingdom come to pass, than to see victory over sin, than to see victory over the devil. Lord God, we acknowledge that there truly is power when we come and when we pray to you that the Prayer is for a purpose. And Heavenly Father, we depend on you as we communicate with you, as we speak to you, as we tell you our worry list and turn it into a prayer list, God. We are so grateful to you. And Heavenly Father, We trust in you now and always. And we believe, God, that we can pray through the signposts and hit all the checkpoints and have very effective, appropriate prayers to you. That is the cry of our heart. That is our desire, Lord, that we would pray often, that we would communicate well, that we would care about our souls cleansing as much as we care about our physical bodies cleansing, God. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We lift you on high. We give you glory in all of our day, Lord. And we yield now, and we stop, and we pause, and we just take a moment to hear from you to hear those sweet things that you want to say to us, Heavenly Father. In your most precious name, we give this all to you. Amen.